question. But what is the significance? Why bring it up in this context? That's a good question. That's a good question. I never thought of it actually. Let me just go through where it says that. More that everything is limited. You know, we always feel that everything is unlimited and there are too many things to, to control, etc. Any of these statements, they just make it finite and controllable. You know, when you come to think of it, it's only nine points we need to monitor. It's not, not the infinite points in this body. So usually the context is that, just to make it achievable, approachable problem, you know, they try to make it finite by defining it for seven, nine, you know, it's still right. small number. Right. Yeah, if you look at the input sense organs and the output sense organs itself, it, you know, it just comes to 10. Uh, it, it's okay. a fine number. Okay. Yeah. Any categorization actually, it just makes it that, oh, this looks like, okay, I can, I can something. It's a manageable problem. Yeah. Okay. And I think when you start small, then you can extrapolate it to actually gain a better understanding or even to follow it. And another one I can think of is the whole universe you perceive through these only, right? Meaning it, it appears to be, you know, there may be other ways, but there aren't many. Yeah, yeah that's right. These are the only ways we sense or learn, learn also, right? You, you sometimes can learn just by observing. You learn by hearing, you learn by, like, you know, through others' words. These are the, 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 the seven on the face is mainly the ones for learning itself. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Why is the touch not mentioned here? I know it's probably anterior Touch is mentioned, right? No, I think it's, it's a it's a it's a gate. The gate is a hole. Opening gate. Okay. Dwara in the, the context in which it is used. It is not that you know touches, you know, of course there are holes and all that, but you know, obviously there are obvious holes, which is what it is referring to. I mean, in some sense if you look at it, you know, it's not anything very very esoteric or anything. It is very, very simplistic definition of you know, for what a, a human being contributes uh, of. For example, you know, uh, I was reading somewhere, it's slightly underrated. How do you define a uh, living being, right? How do you define? What's the scientific definition of a living being and what's the, you know, have you ever thought about it, right? And it is nine gate function. But <laughs> Uh, I mean, this is a slightly different context. So what I'm saying is that see, the scriptures define the living being as, as as things that beings, it is considered a living being if it eats and reproduces. That's the fundamental definition. Okay. If something doesn't do these two things. Six bees, right? Uh, when we were discussing earlier, it's actually quite interesting that they say done and then come into existence. And then grows, and then it matures, and deteriorates, and dies. That's actually the, the basic definition. <laughs> but you're right, yes, the one that's okay is the, and, and living is 
or scientific one. But they consider birth and existence as two different things. I mean, I'm, I'm always uh, intrigued by that this birth is not considered as coming into existence. <laughs> Maybe they seen when they say existence, do you think they could mean that it talks more about being aware, being the whole pro everything else that comes with living? Maybe yeah. Maybe appreciating yourself that an inquiry comes in the identity that Yeah, I am. because I think birth is just a process in which you just arrive into the world. You're right, yeah. So if I come to to answer your question, I think you know if they look at it more obviously, an obvious way of defining things and define it so that to Alpana's point, I guess, that it becomes easier for us to manage. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so in, in any other... Uh, Insights that you guys can share on what you have read in this chapter, and probably let's discuss that before we get to the next topic. The one thing that uh, that you know resonated with me and caught my attention was how renunciation is defined and how it is about being indifferent to your likes and dislikes. And I, I mean, it, when I read that, I mean, the whole chapter just flowed from there. I mean, it, it kind of comes very early on in that in that in that commentary. And uh, at some level, you know, it connects even things like even even karma yoga is linked with sort of doing things without liking or disliking. It is also renunciation in, in, in that sense. So, in a, in a way, sort of what I liked about reading this chapter was how it connected some of the dots of what we've read so far. And it was kind of, it was kind of, I mean, to me, you know, a, a lot of the last six chapters have been about lots of questions and confusion, but this was one chapter which helped me kind of uh, get over some of them. So, yeah, that was kind of a particularly good sort of read. Very nicely said. And I must tell you this, I will narrate a personal incident to you, right? Uh, somebody who is very close to me, you know, he wanted to take up sannyasa, okay? Of course, wife, kids and all those, they're all there. And uh, we were chatting one day, and uh, this was several years back. And uh, uh, I think it was almost maybe three, three years back. And uh, I told him that, you know, what, what, he, what he was doing was not right. And, uh, you know, I was trying to help him understand that sannyasa doesn't mean, you know, some of the words what, uh, uh, I think it was, uh, uh, who pointed it out, Ajay, was it you who, who talked about Chinmayananda's uh, 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 165 topic? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, exactly, I know when, when I was reading that, I was reminded of my conversation with that guy. And I was telling that guy, you know, you know just because you change your hairstyle or just because you wear a different thing doesn't mean that you've got sannyasa. You know, you will be still attached to multiple things, right? And, uh, and, and of course, yeah. I know that person very, very well. So I told him that, you know, you will go there and you will do this, 
will do that and you will not do this, you will not do that. Then, you know, over a period of time, over one month of discussion back and forth, you know, the guy dropped it completely. He said, no, I think that's the wrong thing for me to follow. I was very happy about yeah, it. No. It's so difficult, you know, to get into that kind of a mental state and then come back. It's like escapism, right? You know, you don't want to be escapist. No, no, it was very powerful. I mean, the way, the way, and then and we sort of articulated it. I mean, you can only renounce what is yours and what is yours in some ways is again back to the light and the light, right? Yeah. It was quite powerful. Many of us, you know, must have felt that multiple points of your life think that, you know, especially when you're down, think that, okay, let me give up. Right. Not probably we don't mean it, but we just say that our modification settled out and so on. But I don't think you know uh, we understand the impact of <laughs> what we are saying there. You know, if I go there and look for a, I mean, can I live without internet? Can I live without a phone? And you know, or if I'm just running away, as you said, you know, escape this uh, attitude. Yeah. I am going to be again unhappy there too. So it's just, uh, I mean, many of us have. I'm sure would have at least appeared in jet, saying that, you know, I want to give up, I would still think about to go to Himalaya, settle down. If it is confession time, I absolutely went through it myself. At the time, I was so attracted to this Gyan Yoga and everything, and I said, I have to just leave everything and go. And, and you know, not, not necessarily escapism, but, and then I realized, what is it? that is stopping me from being sannyasi here and now. And I think that was a good good argument that came internally. <laughs> and yeah. So I went through that is yes at times. <laughs> and that's what I mentioned over here, right? It talks about how the two parts and saying what is sannyas you know, when you take that up and how it's not necessarily just going away, it's not necessarily being, following that path. Yeah. And just an aside here, right, you know, um, somebody challenged me some time back, okay, and the challenge was as follows. He said, okay, can you figure out, whatever is your competencies, I don't want to know, I don't know, but the challenge is this, figure out something that you can do where it will be completely you will do for others and not a selfish thing that you will do, okay? It should be, it should be 100% selfless thing that you will do for somebody. Somebody or some set of people or whatever it is, right? And, and uh, I found it really hard to actually find out, okay, what is it that I can do with my quote-unquote knowledge, skills, competencies and, you know, whatever abilities that I can do to others that would be selfless. And actually, sanyada means exactly that. Because sanyada means that you are doing things where your interest is not there. And at the same time, you know, your likes and dislikes are no more impacting you. Sometimes I feel, once you have the jnani, all of these are easy to do. But, but to get jnani, you need all these things. <laughs> It's a it's a strange prerequisite that you can easily do after you get the gas, but you need to do it before it. So, yeah. I think in that, what helps is uh, keep 
you know, this is Brahma Jika Sankal. And imagine he's the creator of this. He's, a, he's, he's made the blueprint of this entire universe. So it is his Sankal that we work the way we are working, you know, normally. Where there are pap and punya that need to happen. Then only the Srishti will continue. Then only the, con- the creation will continue, right? So you have to actually fight against that Sankal. Which just by looking at the universe, you can imagine how strong it is. So, so it's not easy. It is definitely not easy. Um, but then the universe also starts helping when the intention is you know, strong. Um, but everything feeds onto each other. That's why, you know, I give the example of food chart and all that. It is a combination of everything that needs to be continuously done to, to break that um, the priest of Bhavna, as they said, oh, this is real. So, so, so Alka, you are saying we are fighting Brahmaji, basically. Yeah, literally. We have to rise above, we have to do things to rise above so that he says, okay, I let you go out of this by session that I have captured you in. <laughs> but, there is a lot of effort. He will only help. That's the beauty of it. But not for everyone, right? He will not help every individual in the current state. Because then he'll have to work to do the creation again. <laughs> At the moment it is an autopilot mode. It's working. <laughs> so he doesn't need to do much. So he will help, but uh, but initially, yes, you have to fight to that one. Yeah, and, 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 and also another perspective on this. You know, there is also another, another thing. Uh, sometimes, you know, Sakuma, you were mentioning this, right? the feeling that you get that, okay, you know, I want to let go of everything and go. It can happen at multiple points, multiple different points in our life. You know, when something did not happen for us or something negative has happened for us in our life, at that time, you know, I mean, let me just get rid of it, you know. Life is not worth anymore. You know, living the way it is, I think we've got to change the way that we that we do it and go, go forward. That won't remain for a long time because that is coming from a, a, a vantage point of, lack of right understanding of what it is. So, over some time it may remain, but uh, it may, it may uh, it's like a change of scenery, right? You know, every year we take a vacation, why do we take a vacation? Hey, you know, don't do the routine, just go do something else and come back. Like go see a beach, go see mountains and then come back. And after that we come back, refresh and do it. That's how this feeling is also. So, it's, uh, in some sense, you know, we got to be careful about what's the driving factor. Is it coming from the right knowledge that yes, you know, my likes and dislikes are reasonably neutralized that I can take the next steps. I don't have enough, I don't have, you know, I have taken care of all my responsibilities and then going forward. Or if you have a guilt feeling, then it's impossible to do it. Right. Yeah, he says that in the chapter, he says, if, if you don't kind of neutralize the likes and dislikes, they will continue to haunt you whether you act or not. So I had a question. What I was uh, get, getting out of the whole this Karavyogi versus Sanyasi thing is that two things. One, uh, there are only a few people who can go to Sanyasi path directly. Most people, therefore, have to go through um, the Karam Yoga. And then even in so part two means that in the Karam Yoga, after you have done that for many years, Something inside will trigger you to become a sannyasi. Is that the right way to understand that? Yeah, 
सिक्वेंशियल पाथ लाइक फ्रॉम कर्म योगी यू डू बिकम सन्यासी एट सम पॉइंट इन योर लाइफ एंड एंड सॉर्ट ऑफ आई एज्यूम्ड व्हाट इट मेंट वाज दैट यू आर गोइंग फ्रॉम यू नो वन ट्रस्ट टू सन्यास स्टेज इन योर लाइफ इज दैट द राइट वे टू सॉर्ट ऑफ अंडरस्टैंड द फ्रेमवर्क या एक्चुअली यू सेड इट वेरी नाइसली बट यू नो देयर आर सर्टेन यू नो लाइक एनीथिंग राइट दीस थिंग्स नीड टू बी understood properly this is how my guruji explained this to me right and what he said was there is no uh, you know just as you have this 60 years retirement age which is kind of you know given in most countries right 50 60 so when you turn biological age 50 or 60 you are expected to retire right and but that doesn't mean that uh, you know in 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 our life life in our life it doesn't mean that you are uh, going to go into automatically from grahastha to vanaprastha stage when you retire okay at the time you retire then technically you are supposed to go into let the body retire retirement is letting go of your responsibilities and then moving to the next stage but at that time you just say okay now i'm going to do my startup which i want to do okay all the way mm-hmm. i'm working for someone then it is not uh, it is not the bana prasna it is still grahastha ashram so the, the point that i'm trying to make is like you know uh, yes these are two steps step 1 is karma yoga step 2 is sanyasa uh, but then or uh, or gnana yoga stroke sanyasa but then it is not chronological as grahastha ashrama vanaprastha uh, and sanyasa it's not that and second thing that you also should notice is that you know in in our in, in the context of what we are talking uh, anybody can be at any stage biological age is got zero value zero value in that okay because of your past life what you have done what you may not have done what is very very merits that you have gone papa kumya you might be at any stage that's why some people as soon as they born next in tarachariya when he was 12 13 he just went off okay maybe we are not that so so that's what i was saying that because depending on i mean that's exactly what i was thinking that there will be very very small percentage of people who will be in that stage because of their prior lives or whatever that they can directly move into that particular uh, path from that stage or another whereas everybody is better off just going this and it will come to you and maybe it is not uh, maybe it is not you know it doesn't work anymore by the age biological age but maybe there is a some kind of other age or other clock that we are not aware of by which you get to that path and you realize it right i mean is that sort of the good way to grasp this notion i would agree with that and uh, what yeah do you mean actually renouncing and wearing orange yeah it's just the mental yeah see I, that's the point i wanted to make as well it is the mental renunciation and the mental Yeah. yeah it is a mental you can continue probably you know you probably continue living the the current lifestyle but mentally you have renounced yeah. okay that's how i understood i have a point there hello and thank you for the because i also wanted to make the same point that you know in this sanyasi you know i mean we have one you know visual of uh, sanyasi you know wearing orange robes and I don't think you know we all uh, want to reach that stage or will ever reach that stage. So I think Islamers have developed an attitude of uh, 
approaching anything with a you know without a like or a dislike. I think you know we have reached the uh, stage of sanyasi. And I, I hope you know we are also referring to only just as a sanyasa, not as a shankaracharya or a, you know any other uh, people who have you know also not wearing robes. See, I don't know because I think uh, if you are being karam yogi. complete mental relief renunciation to me at least seems uh, an impossible thing in the sense that you know if you have kids if you have duties if you have uh, things like that right to the society i mean obligations are still there then how then you're not in my at least understanding you're not 100% renounced that's how i knew this so you may have you may be renouncing it partially because you are giving up lot of likes dislikes but let's say if your if your son comes to you for help and you have mentally renounced will you tell him that boss you are not my son anymore go do what you want to do it's not my problem maybe but it's not only your son anybody will come you will give the advice but it i think you start looking everybody will equal eye when you renounce No, true, but but the expectation from the other party is that you are their father or mother. Yeah. So from their side, that's fine, right? But you are breaking that expectation. In what right? way? In yeah. the way that you are not going, you are not going to go out of your way to help. Actually, you go out of your way to help everyone. Yeah. So, so the action doesn't stop, right? I mean, uh, just because you're renounced doesn't mean you're not acting. Right? The the, the action continues. It is just that you know, I, 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 the why karma yoga? Because karma yoga teaches you to uh, work in such a way that you are not um, attached to the results, right? You work in such a way that that uh, that's not uh, the action. This chapter was all about that, right? The fact that you're able to act and still not be. Um, uh, bound by it so when you are working in such a manner you um in a way have have uh, are moving towards renunciation because your attachment is reduced but you are you still working right but the monkhood obviously is renouncing the actions as well right? there is no responsibility other than other than this so um other than following self-realization um in in our life we continue to act but act with the karma yoga uh, uh, principle and through that we renounce right so we continue to act so your son comes to you you obviously going to help him you obviously going to do that but you're not bound by it so mentally we renounce is the point right i i'm not 100% sure i just i need to just uh, reflect on I that a bit oh. I think we can most of us at least can't live discreetly either following karma yoga or being sanyasis. I think we will have you know it we are duty bound and hence we we believe that we are responsibilities we believe that at every stage in our life whether you are a child you are an adult whatever you are you have some duties you have responsibilities towards not just yourself maybe family society community and everything Now, even when we decide that we are going to follow the sun, you know, be not following necessarily karma yoga. There are certain aspects in which maybe we are following 
where we are renunciating and we are being more contemplative. But it doesn't mean that we have given up karma yoga when we do those reflections and we contemplate a little more. It's just that which stage in our lives are we going to do it? And and I think we need to realize that it's, it's, they're not two parallel parts necessarily. They do intertwine as we go through life from beginning to end. And like Rajesh said, everyone cannot be a Sampacharya that, you know, you start and then at this one time that we just decide we can actually take one path and not necessarily the other. And if you see it, there's nowhere in the Gita that uh, Krishna encourages uh, monkhood, right? He actually discourages him from, uh, Arjuna from going towards monkhood by saying that it's not for everybody, right? Uh, but he talks about mental renunciation. So yeah, I think we should, and I hope uh, that part is clear uh, that uh, there is mental renunciation and the actual complete renunciation, which is, which is the sannyasa uh, uh, monkhood, right, which is different. Isn't it? Different as in one way you are a householder but mentally renounced, but in the other you are mentally renounced but also are, uh, renounced of uh, renouncing the duties and other things as well. Yeah, so, uh, you know, well said, Kishore, but, you know, maybe what you said made me ask, ask one question but to myself, right? So maybe I'll pose it here. So you said, you know, we'll always have duties and all that, right? The question is, uh, yes, that is going to happen. No doubt about it. Duties are going to happen, that are going to be with us all the time. Uh, so now you're trying to segment your life, okay? Now when you, let's say, when you are, let's say, nearing your quote-unquote retirement age, you know, maybe in your case you're, you're running your own company. Let's talk about people who are employed, right? Okay. So at that time, they are forcibly asked to reduce the duties by retiring. Do you, do you agree to that logically? And if you agree to that logically, now, at that time, does the person have a choice? The choice is, okay, the circumstance of retirement is making me forcibly reduce my duties. Now, the choice is I can take up more duties by doing a second job somewhere, or I can use this for pursuing my part of enlightenment. Now, at that time, if the person says, yes, I want to take up my additional job, right, then he is not yet ready to take this part. You get my point? Now, you break that same thing. So the duty is defined by who? It is defined by us. Right? So if you think that, you, you know, you've got to help someone, you've got to be responsible for the particular person, okay, then you automatically have that duty. But the moment you say, yes, I want to help that person, but I'm no more responsible for the person. Okay? My son is an adult, my daughter is an adult, okay, they will take their own decision. You can come to me at some point of time, when they say, yes, they need, quote-unquote, parent's help, I'm there for them. But otherwise, you know, I can't just assume, oh, should I have to go and tell my son to get married now or my daughter to get married? No. Why should I do it? Is it my responsibility? Is it my duty? I need to think about it. So the question is, what is your duty? You need to think about it. That's what I'm trying to say. For different people, it will be different levels. Okay, this is my duty, this is not my duty. So what I'm hearing is that then there is a third path, which is to say that you don't necessarily go from Karam Yoga to Sanyasi uh, stage, you can go from Karam Yoga directly to Moksha. I mean, in 
Yeah, yeah. Very question. Okay. That helps, but I'm still not there. But let, I mean, at least the framework is clear now that there is there are key ways to get to that. One is being a sannyasi directly getting there. Uh, one is you know karam yogi plus sannyasi path, and then you get the moksha, and then the third is this directly by being a karam yogi plus mental renunciation, and and therefore you get there without yeah. Yeah. without you know going into seclusion. But one one point here, uh, even if you actually take Malkut, the prerequisite for that is um, is mental renunciation, right? Because it's a one-way point. Yeah. Yeah. So, so whether you are a householder or a monk, uh, the prerequisite uh, for monkhood is mental renunciation. But here also it is mental renunciation. Think about it, right? But you, the only difference is that you are doing a different set of uh, action, uh, you know, karmas, which are related to household and family and society and whatnot. So then, monkhood, they, they have a different set of karmas related to the ashram and others. Right? So, um, but mentally, that is the same question. Mentally, you have renounced that that's how you get to the next stage of Nana Yoga. Right? And for the Nana Yoga, right, when that dawns, you mentally renounce. Kishore, since you used the word prerequisite, I'll tell you, you remember sometime back I was talking about this conversation with someone that I was dissuading him from doing sannyasa. You know what is the other prerequisite? Especially if you are a married person, you need to get a letter from your spouse saying that, you know, you, you are letting this person go to do sannyasa. Can you believe that? It is such a stringent requirement. That doesn't surprise me. Because the words Swamiji chose in that book is that wife's duty is to help you and your duty is to make her happy. I said, wow, this is like different. You like that funny in the book. So, trying to keep your wife happy is a very, very high quality. Is Girija also in the class today? No, no, she's not. Why do you think you're saying all this? <laughs> no, but I think you're right, Kishore. Sorry, just going back to that. I think you're right that that part is very clear. That at any point to get to uh, moksha stage, you you are getting that enlightenment or realizing your happiness or realizing your awareness. Mentally, you have to renounce. But I was just trying to understand that what are the different ways you can get it. That's, that's really where I was coming from. Yeah. Yeah. So even in the book, if there, you know, if there's one part, and that's what I'm trying to find here. Um, it talks about how even Krishna doesn't recommend that it's this or, you know, he doesn't recommend one specific part. And then, yeah. uh, I hear that it. It says, he says, you know, he, even Krishna is not recommending karma yoga and preference to sannyasa. He tries to make Arjuna see that there's no choice between these two. Rather, one adopts the life that one is suited to. And then he goes on to talk about, you know, how you have karma yoga gives one a contemplative mind capable of discovering the fact that a true sannyasa enjoys renunciation of action by the knowledge of the I and that the I is actionless. You know, I felt that that was you know quite 
it was quite nice to read because it just also made you realize that it didn't have to be one or the other. Yeah. And yeah. if I may raise one more point, actually, if you look at the past, it's karma yoga, bhakti yoga, and jnana yoga. There is no sannyas yoga in it. So, if you come to think of it, sannyas is actually good by looking at the one I had mentioned, the prerequisites for jnana. There is a part vairagya. And vairagya is exactly. renunciation. Dispassion. Yeah, dispassion is exactly what that is. Yeah. Right? So, you don't need to be a sannyasi to get moksha. It's not. And I think the word we, we sometimes more often than not we try and talk about being detached versus dispassionate. Dispassionate. I think there's, you know, we often confuse those two, at least I do. But, you know, the detachment is not necessarily the same as being dispassionate about it. And I like that example of those marbles, which was so important to us to save as a child. But as you move through life and it's the same thing and you view it with such a different way, it doesn't mean you're, you don't like yes. it or what, you know, you're just, the feeling is very different. Different. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, absolutely right there. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, remember, I think we had this conversation about alcohol. <laughs> I mean, after some time, it's it, it dispassion to us as in, you know, you need to keep saying that I don't want it. You know, it, it, and it become that way. Right? Uh, Not as yet. <laughs> no. I think we have the conversation. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, uh, this question is the right word. Uh, see, I remember Swamiji saying discrimination happens first and then yeah. develops into this fashion and, uh, and then goes from there. Uh, uh, the third case, which is uh, at the Dhyanam, uh, uh, which is meditation, and gets you into bhakti and nana, right? So, uh, nana yoga in the, in the, so that's the path laid out. So, this is almost like a prerequisite in, in many ways, the discrimination and distraction, right? So, and we are gaining that by doing all these things, including karma yoga and other, other practices. That's what we are trying to, uh, uh, getting those prerequisites. If you want because, to know that, yeah, Yes. Sorry. Yes. Sorry, that that's done. So the whole part is first because you have some impurities in your antarkaran, in your mind. So you do karma yoga for the shuddhi of your antarkaran. Right? And then a bit of bhakti yoga for concentration. If you can get concentration without an object, that's brilliant as well. But these two things are required. But they are not directly responsible for moksha. So they are called something as bhaniranga Because you need that to even get into this mode of wanting realization. And then first comes is vivek, which is discrimination between permanent and impermanent, etc. So you start understanding a little bit, which will lead to vairagya. Because you understand it. You are not forcefully giving up anything. Right? Because then you will keep thinking about it. Right? That is followed by that chak sampati. Cham dangkukuksha shraddha uparati samadhan. Not considered as one because they are all intermixed. That's mostly controlling your senses and, you know, um, having a little bit of space to help you that and then bring back your look inside and be equal Right? 
And then the fourth is mumukshatva. So after having these, actually your desire for self-realization grows, multi-fold. And then is the Ganyo. And then is actually Shavan Manan Nebhutyasana Samadhi. That's the that's the whole line. Do you, know, do you know what is the metaphor that they use in the scriptures to 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 tell you how how much uh, desire that you have towards a particular goal? The goal, the metaphor what they use is imagine that you your hair is on fire. Okay, what would you do at that time? What's your goal? Of the fire. Of the fire. Of the fire. The goal is water. Nothing else. Correct? The goal is water. So, you have to have that kind of a desire towards moksha. Then you are ready. So, can I, can I ask a question? I've been meaning to ask it. Uh, I've heard this word moksha several times now. Can you help me define it? Moksha? Yeah. Moksha, sir. Just moksha, just moksha. I mean, uh, I, I mean, I've heard the word enlightenment and uh, self-realization. I mean, what is? I mean, how do we? I mean, how do you think of moksha as one single, simple thing? See, what is the purpose? You want unlimited happiness, and you don't want unhappiness. When you reach that state, moksha. And 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 from there, I read, you know, moksha being <coughs> getting deliverance from the cycle of life and death. What is that? Because life will give you sorrow. So if you are if you are devoid of sorrow, that means you are not in the cycle of life and death, birth and death. So there are different definitions. But I think that was the primary one that what is everybody's goal? Unlimited happiness and no unhappiness. And then whatever reaches it helps reach that. So yes, coming out of life and death because Life will always give you some sort of right? So the ultimate uh, you know, outcome of this is that you are out, you, you come outside the cycle. Is that right? Because you realize you are not the one who takes the and dying actually. Because you are, you, the are you, you are the I, yeah. So that's why I wasn't trying to use that definition because you don't actually take birth and death. Sorry, Ajay, please finish your point. I was going to ask, you said you don't take life in death. See, you are one that param paramatma. The bodies are born and they die. But you are still that param paramatma, which is not affected. So there's one life which came in, it's like a ghost which came into existence and occupied some portion of Akash. Once the support breaks, you march back into the Mahakash, right? So you're really that Mahakash, you're really that untouched Nirgun, Nirakar, Nitishuddha, Buddha, Brahma. So you are not, you are not taking birth and you are not dying, really. It's the body which comes in and dies. No, I get that. I get, I get, I, and that's why maybe we're digressing and maybe this is for another time, but, you know, this whole sort of, the physical body and the eye, which I, which are sort of easy to comprehend for me at least, right? But it is just that 
everything else, you know, which sort of the five things is so called subtle body is to show you described it, right? Yeah. Which then sort of, uh, you know, holds the karmas and, you know, moves from one place to another. I think it's, it's also eternal perhaps. Uh, but it that's where sort of my... It doesn't have a beginning but it has an end. Because it's all an appearance and this. It doesn't have an existence in reality. Sattva has... Okay. Sattva is a Pratipi. This is the way I have understood this. So when we are going down this topic, uh, um, and actually if others uh, you know, have understood in a different way, is that, you know, once you get quote-unquote enlightened, this is as you uh, pointed out, is um, did I, uh, you, you get to this happy, happiness state, which is uh, not the happiness that comes out of material thing, but it's, it's the bliss that, that you are able to touch inside you, right? So, and it is, um, uh, it is not based or, or dependent on anything. It is happiness by itself, right? So you are now, uh, you're touching that. That's, that's the state, right? So in other words, there's no suffering um, uh, when you're reached that state, right? Um, so, so that's the moksha part. Now, uh, when you do reach there, uh, and what happens after that, right? When, when you start doing your work and other things, karmas after that, uh, you, you do it from the state of actionlessness. In other words, uh, I remember Swamiji explaining this, uh, you know, saying that uh, uh, the karmas are, there are no more karmas generated because you're no longer, um, uh, uh, you know, accruing any of this, right, because of the action that you, you make that form. Um, so, a rebirth happens because of karma, at least according to uh, scripture. So, all the karmas are taken away uh, uh, and hence, there's no reason to take a birth and the birth, right? So in other words, you are, uh, even in that sense, you are out of this group of uh, life and death. And is that uh, how uh, others have understood? So, 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 so just, just, one, just one thought. So are you saying then once you attain that moksha uh, and, and ultimate happiness, the subtle and the, uh, and the conscience kind of merge and subtle doesn't exist any, anymore? That will get dissolved. Yeah. Dissolved, right. Okay. Yeah, that, I think that's the that's theory, that's how I understood it. Rajesh wants to uh, point out something. Yeah. So, you know, well said, you know, both of you. I, I think, Rajesh, let me, let me give you to a simple example that I have always kept it in my mind, right? So, let's say you're having a dream. Okay? In the dream, you know, you can you create your own dream. You're dreaming and, uh, you know, you... You build a castle, you, uh, you fly chariots, you, you know, you do all sorts of things, okay? You kill somebody and the judge is punishing you and at that time the judge is saying, okay, I'm going to give you a death sentence now, right? They're taking you to the death sentence, uh, to, to the gallows. At that time you wake up. What happens to the death sentence given to you in your dream? It just happens. Or I wake up. You laugh and you say, oh, that was just a dream. Okay? Now the dream was After probably, I, the dream was probably maybe over, I, I you know, let, let's assume, it's definitely not more than the time that you have slept. Correct? Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's yeah. a shorter period of time. Let's say eight hours maximum. 
maximum the dream sequence is eight hours. Agreed? Yeah. Now imagine a dream sequence where the dream sequence is few millions of years. Okay? And in the millions of years you suddenly wake up. What happens to the to all the things that are happening here? No. And that that waking up oh. is you claiming who you truly are. See, that's what you said. So you basically wake up. It is exactly also a dream. As real as a dream. You know what we are seeing now. And we wake up from that. That's actually what happens. Okay. Okay. I need to analyze this. I can see the analogy. Yeah. That's waking up. Okay. Is basically, you think about the dream. You, you actually spend few minutes understand what your dream is and what happens when you wake up. When you wake up, in the dream you, you would have felt everything was real and you know, you're experiencing it. You'll even sweat and all those things happen. Okay? Then, but the moment you wake up, you say, oh, it was just a dream. Right? Now imagine an elongated dream sequence. Okay? Where you are able to wake up because you're doing something in the dream that is making you wake up. And what are you doing in the dream is, you are doing those things that will enable you to wake up to your real realization. Otherwise, the dream will keep on continuing. If you don't wake up to the realization, your dream will continue. You will die one day, the next day you will get born in the dream, you will continue. Right? And, and to that extent, I mean, are we therefore saying that, uh, you know, all of this is Maya therefore? Yes. If we extend the yes. analogy of the dream, Yes. Thanks. That's exactly. And so, the what we are trying to do is, in that dream, sorry, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can hear you. Go ahead. Okay. I think I got a bad connection. You might want to cut your video. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Change my position. So, so this dream example, another thing is actually dream. You see, in a, there's a Buddha Nadi. There's a no right at the bottom of the brain, which is very, very tiny. And you dream of, you know, mountains and, and universes and so many things, right? So the space is created actually in that little nerve. That's how real life actually even time is created. That's why we feel that it has been millions of years. But when you wake up, there is no time. So the dream is effectively, so if you take that elongated dream, uh, as, as you said, Rajesh, then you are basically trying to do the right thing in that dream in a way that you can break out of it and merge with the self. Correct. Or, you know, right. you cannot put it merge with the self at all. You just wake up. Let's, let's talk about merge with the self later on. You just imagine yeah, you, that you, you will wake up. Okay. You wake up to reality, yeah. When you wake up, whatever that you were dreaming, you just laugh at it because it is just a dream. But, till the time you wake up to the reality of who you are, the dream is real. So, if you want to understand this better, please go watch Matrix once again. Matrix Reloaded once again. You'll really enjoy it now. God, I was just thinking about it. Interesting. 
You know, Rajesh had been trying to bring metrics since the start of this session when she said Shashti and Brahman. I said, boss, we are again talking metrics, but I restrained myself. Really, okay. You should watch metrics, okay? You should watch metrics. It's such an amazing movie, and I heard someone say that it's uh, it's it's it's, uh, it's uh, the, the core theme has been taken from Gita. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, that's a good context. No, I, I think it's a Wikipedia page case, though. Oh, does it? Hmm. Shanta, you were saying something. I was just thinking about Matrix, right? Like, I was just thinking about it. Like, where you talk about the reality and then you talk about the dream and it's almost like the whole action happens in the dream and then... Uh, you come back and that's exactly what I was thinking when you just said. A dream within a dream, a dream within a dream within a dream. You know, it goes through yeah. three levels. <laughs> to make it even more complicated, there are parallel universes. People can travel through them. So it is, it is, so the Maya is actually unirvachini as they say. The word impossible doesn't exist. And since you guys have opened the door, I will say, if you want to watch another parallel universe, go watch Fight Club. Oh. Okay. Please, Tyler Durden. Tyler Durden. On the WhatsApp group. Sure. Okay. I mean, this is what Alka is saying, that the parallel group, a parallel reality that you can create in your mind, and, you know, therefore you can do lots of bad things. And that has become uh, it, that has just become the movie to go and uh, watch if you are thinking of the parallel universe, how you, your mind can make up things. Then the simple is all this is Maya. That's right. That's exactly the point. Yeah. Try to understand Maya. Maya, you will never get wrong. If you can think of it, it's real. That's you're saying. I'm just wondering what is going on in a, in like, you know, a mad person. What, what does he go through? Has he already attained moksha that he is free and, like, now we call them mad. It's like, the, if you begin to think, what does a mad person really go through? So there's two different types of mad people. One jnani who acts like a mad. Those are the real jnani. Yeah. <laughs> the who act like mad after the Jani because for them actually it is in reality. Yeah, they may be closer to reality than what we can think about, yeah? There are Jani who will act very, in a very mad fashion. Actually, the word, the word for a Jani is another word which is given, what do you call it, synonym, is known as unmattavat. Unmattavat is like a mad person. That's what it means. But he's not mad. You're on to something. You know, I love these these Hindi types of words. I just can't sort of seem to invite them somehow. I can't recollect them after, you know, they're told. But I find them really, really useful because... Because in English you don't have exact words to 
give that chance, you know. <laughs> and, yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one more thing. You know, uh, today struck me so much. Uh, how many of you uh, remember what's the name of Krishna's Krishna's uh, chakra? Panch. 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 The five Panch. Panch. is five energies. Okay. So then Krishna blows that. The five energies in the body apparently. Okay. The five energies. You know, if people who attend the meditation know this. There are five yeah. processes in the body. The five different are controlled by five different pranas. Okay? And I believe that the symbolism of these five different energies. I was so blown away with the, with the symbolism today. So you don't have a word for panchajanya. What do you say in English? Panchajanya. Five. Oh, exactly. <laughs> what? You know, it doesn't make sense. But janya has sense. Okay? In Sanskrit. Janya, Janya, I think it, it, it forms in the word Ja, which is uh, to be born. Anta Janya, five energies. That's how you are, you know, you, you connect it. Yeah, amazing. Mm. So coming back to the book, uh, sorry to, uh, you know, come back here. On page 68-69, I, I had this one big uh, issue. When I read this, and this is what I was saying in the group, Rajesh, that I, I get the concept, but when I read this, maybe I'm getting lost in semantics, but on one hand he's saying that you are actionless, meaning your true nature is actionless, and then you are still doing, and you're not supposed to be doing actions as a person, then somebody is the actor, right? So somebody, I thought the idea was that the consciousness is, Somehow telling us what to do, uh, mind, body, and things, but but by itself it's actionless. So I get that concept, right? But somebody is acting, right? Who is that somebody? If it is not the body, and if it's not the consciousness, I thought the consciousness doesn't act. The body or the mind acts. But the chap, the page sixty-eight, sixty-nine, the, this first few paragraphs. My reading interpretation is that that's not the case. I'm, I'm sort of confused about that whole thing. Alpana answered it. I deliberately asked Alpana to clarify it. She used the word for jiva. Okay. Maybe Alpana, you want to explain that now because we'll ask the right, right question in that context. Okay. What is an individual? Individual is actually undercurrent because body, mind, sorry. Um, manas, buddhi, chitta, and ahankar. The four things create the antahakaran. So, each of us individuals, we have antahakaran. Antahakaran is actually made up of valerian sattva So, we know the three gunas, right? Sakraj sound. So, when the sattva gun is mixed with little bit of rajogun, is where all the little individuals are created. And hence, there are infinite. Because you can change the the component of rajas and tamas going into that antahakaran. So now this antahakaran, now this, this we, we call this parabrahm as the screen, right? So it occupies some space, right? That is, it occupies, it exists in the brahm, right? So that brahm is actually 
which is occupied by that that antakaran and then the reflection of that brahm in this antakaran because it is satoguni so it is like water or mirror so these three things actually constitute bhumba and i didn't explain in that but i just try i'm just trying to give you a little bit of insight into what a jiva is so this antakaran is actually in the brahma and brahm when it reflects upon it is known as chidabhav so if you think of sun as the example and you take a mirror the sunlight is reflected on the mirror if the there's a problem with the mirror it's the reflection which is travishing the sunlight doesn't get impacted so sunlight is like the brahm this mirror is like our antakaran and because it is still satvagun pradhan it is pure enough to reflect the light and it is the light which is actually showing the action if you move the mirror the reflection moves so you see the movement so but who moving the mirror that that's what i'm trying that unclear to me right this this antakaran is made up of satrajsam raj is what gives the action Yeah. Uh, and it is not crystal clear. It has because of the karma, it has covered. It has covered this this mal, and this is the mal to be removed from karma yoga. So you know, so so I I think also I I get that part. I think the the basic doubt is right. If consciousness is actionless. So the consciousness is that sun. Correct. That's right. Sun doesn't do anything. Correct. It needs a reflector for any action. Correct. Correct. And in our mind and body, the reflector. Yeah. Correct. Not exactly. Body. Let me explain it slightly yeah. different way. So think of it. You know, I I like Alpana analogy, right? So think of it that. Uh, Take take an individual, take two individuals. Okay, one individual has got one uh, property within them, and both of them have the same property. But the the, uh, the ability for that prop for that particular entity inside, okay, which is our quote unquote the mind, to reflect the intelligence of that supreme, okay, that awareness, is determined by how its own abilities okay so some uh, so some of these uh, each one of will have a different set of constitution correct mental constitution based to perceive something in a particular way that ability that ability is determined by that particular mental constitution okay that is what we are trying to use analogy of reflecting mirror In other words, you ask yourself this question, okay? Who, when you say I am performing this action, you ask yourself who is the I? Whether you call yourself the body, then then you call yourself the mind, okay? Then you automatically come to a conclusion, think that there is some entity 
because i am not that awareness still that supreme awareness there is some entity which in me which behaves like a duplicate awareness okay that is the reflection of the mirror so think about it this way so there is a dark room there are two ways that the dark room can be lighted up one directly beam sunlight into it okay second way is to a mirror and the mirror light goes into that agreed both of them okay okay the individual the body and the actions what you perform is like the dark room which is lighted by the mirror the mirror is the mind so so that's what i was saying but i thought but somebody is directing the mind and i thought it was the consciousness which was directing no, no. the mind no no in the presence of consciousness the mind itself has the property to determine what it is <coughs> that's the whole problem otherwise all individuals would behave exactly the same why would they behave the same why is everybody thinking you when you see a tree or let's let's use a uh, much more closer example when you see a chicken you know some say it's a it's a nice animal a nice bird some see it as a you know next fish why is it is it a problem with the chicken or is it a problem with the way the bee is so so that's what i'm saying rajesh like what is inside us sorry i'm just little upset with this because i didn't understand um that look is i understand the i understand the perception part that you're talking about my question is who's doing the action right it is anand karan anand karan is like the apparatus and ram is like the electricity so do you think the electricity is doing it or the apparatus is doing the work the apparatus is doing the work right so it is the apparatus which does the work and in this apparatus is your body your mind Yeah, and intelligence all of them no so i understand all that but then the, maybe i am getting lost with the semantics of this chapter because this this thing you are not an actor like the exact line which to me or so because you are the electricity not the apparatus and the whole ignorance is we think we are the apparatus exactly that's the problem only identity needs to change from apparatus to electricity that is what the project is okay So, so I may be getting lost in the semantics because the thing, the sentence, like you conclude that you are an actor and thus resolve to renounce action, while there is no action in you in the first place. So I guess who's the, who's the you? I was thinking you as the mind and body, and I think he's referring to you as the awareness. Is that right? Because not at there, we have to do the action because we are identifying ourselves with the mind and body, whether you like it or not. Okay, and another thing, you know, the concept of ego, right? Okay, the English word ego. Think about it. Okay, there is that that thing. Ego can be defined as individuality. Okay, a particular way that a particular individual functions. That is the one. That is the one. What Alpana was referring as ahankara. Okay, that right, right, making you do things. The whole, the whole spiritual path is to tell you that that is a false concept. What we have. No, no, I so I understand all that. I'm just saying I was getting lost on therefore in the the way the my interpretation of what the sentence was trying to say. I guess I was relating it to the body. Because Atma is used in nine different you know contexts. So I think this is the context you need to see which you they are referring to. So they're saying yes, 
it is the parva in that thing you are doing this as to arjun it is still the body mind consciousness yeah that's why you need to know that you can read the book you not be able to understand it and that's why they say that you always need to have a guru to teach you that's why the context is important in which that you and me can be either of actually that you will bring it to the thing <laughs>
great discussion, great questions. If, if we have not thought, quote unquote, 100% of it, nothing to feel uh, concerned about it. It will take time and like a marinated pickle, one day it will just come to That's how I would think. Just introducing it, when you are faced with the situation, just trying to think, think over it, um, it helps. It helps to keep mind occupied as well sometimes. Then you have nothing else really to think about. <laughs> I think the most, uh, you know, I, I, at this stage I would recommend recommend you guys to please download that Nirvana Shatakam and read it. So that you really understand what it says, what that shloka says, right? And the reason is why I'm saying that is, you know, it segments. It segments you as a person, right? You know, just as a sign segments legs and body and all that. This segments the person in a different way. So, it says that you're not the body, you're not the mind, you're not the sense. When you keep understanding that a little better, in your day-to-day -day interaction, you know that, you know, sometimes you're acting out of that element of the body, right? Which could be, let's say, your, your ego, right? Or it could be that some days, you know, you end up binging on something and then you know that, you know, it's your sense organ that, that's, that's more powerful today, right? That individuality, that reflecting mirror, Keeps attaching itself to different parts of it and then makes you do different things. It's very powerful. You should read that. They want to shut it up. Can you post it, Rajesh, again? Yeah, I, I think I should. Yeah, let me do that. Thank you. Yeah, okay. And Shankaracharya was just eight years old when he wrote this. Wow. <laughs> but then he may, maybe he was not eight. He was eight. Some people who want to come back and help the world, so they don't, they don't want to the Mukti. So he is one of They come back. So he knew it. He didn't have to work on it. He just came back for us. How many of you have watched this movie, Javani Janeman? Click on. But, uh, I watched recent, lots of movies. Yeah. Recent 2020 movie, I watched it today, in which Tabu is a hippie and she does the parking meditation and comes back and all that. And she says... Yeah, I watched it with my wife, yes. yes, yes they're all, you know, Tabu, Tabu and Faisal uh, Khan uh, would have had an affair. Khan, yes. Right. And, you know, after 20 years they meet and all that stuff. And then Tabu is again trying to, you know, entice this guy to get into a relationship. You guys said I'm already middle-aged and all that. So then she says, no, according to my, you know, the calculations, what we have, we are already 2,370 years old. Not. <laughs> <laughs> she talks about Rivana. It's very, you know, just a joke. <laughs> so okay. Go ahead, Alpana. Just saying, talking about movies, I get so involved, I to associate with one one of the actors and I am totally into it. Forget about this life, right? <laughs> Thinking about this life as a movie, I can't even think of movie as a movie. <laughs> I don't watch movies at all. Who said I don't watch movies? <laughs> I, I was going to ask. I can watch movies. Because I can't take movie as a movie, I think it is reality. <laughs> Yes, they just watch things which are truly outlandish. 
That's funny. I know. So, um, you know, I, 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 I think, you know, to ask uh, one more question here, you know, this concept about beauty, right, I to think about it a little, little bit more closely because it is very individualistic, trust me, no universal duty for everybody. There are some universal duties and all which we can discuss at a later point of time, but from your point of view, I think we may have discussed this in the past also. If we really do, if you take a piece of paper and write down what people think is your role in your life, okay, or roles in your life, and based on that, you might want to jot down what duties that you have so that you are clear that these are your duties. Later on, you can add something, but you know, you, you will not, uh, you will not omit some duties that you are expected to do because it's important. Mm -hmm. I would only recommend you to do that. Yeah. It would be a revealing exercise for yourself. You would not even think that, you know, this would have been your duty, but yes, that could have been your duty. I think I would be able, you know, I've often wondered about this question, Rajesh. But I think it, I can only answer as it, what is my duty now? Yes, now. I think that will change. Like, you know, now, if you ask me now, I will have an answer. But it doesn't mean that that would have been my answer if you had asked me a little while ago. I mean, in time, say, I won't take it like yesterday because that's not what I mean. But what I mean is if you had asked me a couple of years ago what my duty was and versus what my duty could be a little later in life would also be different. And that's exactly the point. The point is, are you increasing your duties or increasing your duties? That's exactly the point. Oh. Okay. It's just a sense to tell us where we are because, you know, nobody will tell you, uh, you know, what your duty ought to be because you've got to know what our duties are, right? And we define that. Seven fifty three PM on my clock. So any any other last questions, last question points that we need to go through in the in the thing? So how many of you want to take Kanyatana? So Rajesh, I have to tell you, I was talking to one of my investors yesterday and I started telling him about this book we are reading and all that, that I'm more inclined to spirituality. And he said, he was, he, you could, I could feel the sense, boss, you're not going to become a sannyasi. <laughs> that was his question, right? Like, I won't see you in Rome at all. So, so then I was, you know, that gave me the opening to start telling him what is the difference between Karun Yoga and I tried to be more Karun Yogi. And then I ended up, by the end of the conversation, I ended up sending him the link to Swarthi and Angaji's uh, talk on introduction to Vedanta. So so definitely I put myself in that category that you know I'm no Sanyasi boss. Still on the of Karba Yoga, yeah. Absolutely.
Coincidentally, in the New York Temple uh, live stream, they were showing Sarapriyananda's uh, lecture to one of the young group today. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. nice. Oh, nice. Thank you. So, okay, I guess that none of the saffron rose right now. Until saffron rose. Until, yes. All right. I think great discussion. I think we should. Uh, my uh, my my recommendation is we should continue to discuss this next week also, and first uh, you know to think about this about individuality, right? A little bit more, so that we can have a little bit more rather than you know repeat the same discussion next week. We can we can put the discussion to really understand what is ego, what is individuality. Just think about it in the context we discussed today. All right. Okay. Let's uh, close it up. Oh. 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 Om Shanti 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 I hope you guys remember when we said Shanti three times, right? Yes. There is a quick question here. Alright. I have honestly forgotten, sorry. I have forgotten what is doing. You have to, you have to research and write it. That's your Bye. 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 Bye.